love uh, the diversity of worship in our, in our state of Texas. You know, we kind of got rock church going on in Austin, uh, but I love the choir. You know, it's really all about praising God. Amen? And I appreciate what Stan, you guys did this morning. I certainly felt like you guys led me in worship this morning. I, I'm very grateful to you guys for that. It is great to, uh, to be with you here in the east, uh, in east, uh, what are we, Dallas? I don't even know what city I'm in right now. This is my scent. So every, every other year trip to Dallas uh, at Christmas time, I get to speak to you guys. So some of y'all have met, some of you I haven't. But uh, my wife, Angela, and I, as Derek said, we lead the church down in Austin. And uh, we uh, certainly love the church in Dallas because most of my family, actually all of my family is here. So appreciate you guys taking good care of them. They're a handful. I'm the only sane one in the bunch. Ask any of the grandkids, that's what they'll tell you. And that is not true. Anyway, everything else today I tell you hopefully will be true. Uh, I want to start off to share a little bit of good news. You know, the church in Austin, we've had a really great year. God has blessed us tremendously. Uh, we began uh, about two and a half years ago, actually three and a half years ago now, we, we had an idea, let's come up with a 10-year plan to 2020. Actually, it wasn't really 10 years, it was actually nine and a half, eight and a half. Anyway, we wanted to grow the church to, to be 600 people, but as we began to think about it, we thought, you know, this is not really, I mean, numbers doesn't really inspire anybody, but really, what's it going to take to get there? And so we, 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 we talked about it, kicked around a bunch of ideas for a long time, and uh, we came up with this idea of kind of, we, we, we made it an acronym uh, called CROWN, and we called it Triple Crown, because at the time we were 186 members, we figured if we want to triple in size, then uh, we got to do these five things that, that are, are, are emblematic or found in the word crown. Make sense? Triple crown. Uh, nothing to do with the horse racing, but it sounded cool. So that's what we went with it. And, and so uh, each of the things, the C stands for being Christ-like. And of course, the first and foremost, if you're going to grow uh, the way God wants you to, numerically, certainly you've got to grow in, you know, individually and becoming more like Christ. So we want to recognize that right up front. So that's where the C came from. Then uh, you have the, uh, <clears throat> what's next? R. R was, you know what, the truth is, if we're going to grow, we've all got to step up in what we're doing. Everyone has to find their role in the church. You've got to find your niche, you know what I mean? You can't just come in and sit and kind of hang around and do nothing and, and, and listen to cool sermons and music and, and, and jump up and go home, right? And so everyone's got to find a role. That was our goal. That's hard to do in a group that size. Then uh, O stood for outreach, and of course that was our goals evangelistically. We want to make sure that we're reaching out, sharing our faith. W was works of service, you know, we really wanted to focus on the community and finding projects uh, that, like what you have in the Saturday Academy, things that we, we could do as a fellowship that, that uh, serve the community around us. And then, uh, of course, at that point we started thinking, well, crow doesn't sound very good, triple crow, so we have to have an N. Or something else. Crown sounds cool. So we, we, we kind of made a catch-all category called New Ministries, which actually has been the best one of them all. Because what it did was it said, okay, here's the thing. Anybody's got an idea. We want to encourage and empower the fellowship to new, new ways to serve in new ways to serve the church and the community around us. And so in the past couple of years, all kinds of cool new things have been started. Uh, we started a grief recovery ministry, uh, started a divorce care ministry, a divorce care for kids. Uh, we got two sisters who are just starting this new thing called Get Inspired. I don't even know what it is, but they got on TV, on, on the Austin television station, and we're promoting this thing. I don't know how that happened, but anyway, the beauty of all this is that it's not things that are staff-driven. It's 
It's, it's membership-driven. None of us on staff had anything to do with those things that have gotten started. But we want to empower others to do, uh, to do ministry and where they feel called to do it. And so th- that was kind of where we started. In the last three and a half years, God has multiplied the church now. We're over 300 members. We're super excited about that. This past year alone, we grew by almost 50. And uh, again, numbers are kind of, you know, numbers are kind of like going to the doctor and getting your blood pressure checked. You know what I'm saying? It tells you how you're doing. It's not really what it's all about. Otherwise, all you got to do to roll your blood pressure is to break the blood pressure machine. You know what I'm saying? Just poke a little hole in that little squeezy ball thing, and the blood pressure goes down right away. We're not about manipulating the system. We want to make sure the body's healthy, right? So looking at numbers is a good thing. You kind of go, okay, that's great. Well, I'm healthy. I'm not healthy. It's always good, especially this time of year, to kind of take a look back and say, how am I doing spiritually? How are we doing collectively uh, as a body? And so this is that time of year. I'm sure that y'all will be talking a lot about that in the next few weeks uh, as you get ready for your new year. Uh, I hear that you guys have had a great year here in Dallas East. I uh, heard lots of good news from Derek and Leanne at our evangelist roundup a couple of weeks ago. And I'm so encouraged to hear the things that are going on here and encouraged by all of you in your faith. Amen. I wanted to share this morning. I wasn't sure what to share. You know, you come in blind. I don't know what's going on other than I hear good news. And what do I tell a bunch of people who are doing awesome? I thought maybe I'll just ask you guys some questions and you guys can help me out. Then I thought, that's not, very, uh, that's not a good thing. I'm, I've been called in here to actually share the Word of God with you this morning. And, uh, and so I thought I'd share with you what we talked about last year at the beginning of the year. So uh, I want to share that with you. I shared this in Novosibirsk a few weeks ago in Russia. Uh, I, I'm, this will be easier to share with you today than it was then uh, in Russian. <laughs> some things didn't translate very well. But I want to talk about the glory of the Lord. And the reason is this. Last year, as, I, as we began to look at 2014 and thinking about what we wanted to do, the first course, as a, as a leader, the first thing in my mind, and I'm sure many evangelists' minds, is, hey, we want to, what's our goal going to be for the year? What are we going to grow by? How are we going to, what are we going to do? And I began to kind of come up with all these cool things I want to do. We want to do this. We want to do that. We're going to do this. And as I began to think about these things, it hit me that, you know, really, what is it all about? It felt sort of hollow. And at the end of the day, it's really all about God's glory. And we can have all of our plans, and we can have all of our great ideas. We can try new things and do cool, cool stuff on, you know, with our worship services and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's all about bringing God glory. And so I began looking in the Bible in different places where it talked about the glory of God. And I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning uh, about that. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, God designed us in such a way that we really can't find fulfillment or lasting enjoyment Apart from eternity, eternity, there's something inside of us that longs for something greater. It's a hole that can't be filled with anything but God. Isn't that great? That's why we're all here this morning, isn't it? 
If you're a member of the church, it's why you came, it's why you came here in the first place. If you're, if you're visiting this morning, maybe you're at the hotel and you heard singing. You heard Stan getting, getting down on the music and you walked in. You, know, you probably, because there's a hole in, somewhere inside of you, you man, I need something. I, don't, I can't even put my finger on it. But God has put a longing in all of us, a longing for His glory. And only in that way can it be fulfilled. You know, when you think about it, this whole concept of transcendence, it's the key to who we are. Because it cuts us, when we think about how amazing God is, it cuts us down to size. Uh, we had a little family devotional when we were away on vacation uh, this past week, and my dad put in this video and talks about all these crazy statistics about, you know, how big the universe is, and it's kind of, ama- it's kind of overwhelming. Most of us have watched videos or heard someone scientific, I'm not scientific, so I'm not giving you anything today, and the, 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 all these statistics, how, how big the universe is, and that's just what was created. It's not even the creator. But yet we're amazed by that, and it moves something, it stirs something inside of each one of us, because God put that desire in us. And I think with the challenge that comes is when we, in the, in the midst of this universal longing that we all have, is that, when we, that it's not, the problem is that we are unaware of God. But that when push comes to shove, we value ourselves more highly than we value God. Isn't that the core sin of humanity? I mean, you really could almost categorize all sin in the context of that very statement. All the dumb stuff we get ourselves into really comes down to us valuing ourselves more than God. And so therefore, as we come back to the sort of what, what is it all about? What are, we, what are we striving for in the new year? It's really about God's glory, isn't it? You say, well, I want to change things. I wanna, I'm going to have a diet. I'm going to get in shape. Amen. But it's not about just you looking better. I'm wearing my shirt tucked out today. You know why? Holiday bulge. <laughs> you thought I was trying to be cool. You know, the cool guy from Austin. No, man, I'm trying to hide what happened this week. But we come up with good ideas and all these things we want to do. And, but really it comes back to the glory of God. Because a real encounter with the living God changes things. It changes everything. And it magnifies God and puts us and our sins and burdens in their rightful place. The glory of the Lord is a universal longing. You know, also the glory of the Lord is, is in God's presence. Interesting when you go back and you read the Old Testament. Um, when Moses, can, remember, you guys know I don't have time to go all these places, but you remember when Moses confessed all his insecurities before the Lord? What happened? Well, God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to give you some miraculous signs to convince the people, first of all. Secondly, I'm going to give you your brother, Aaron, as a mouthpiece, since you don't think you can talk very well. But most of all, and most importantly, what he said was, I will be with you. God's presence. And really throughout the entire Exodus account, from that point forward, what really concerned Moses the most was the prospect of losing God's presence. You remember when Israel messed up? And God said, that's it. Y'all go ahead. I'm done. Moses was was most disturbed by that. Look, I'm not going anywhere without your presence. Without you. 
But you know what happens is Israel ends up, they go into the land, Moses dies, you know, Joshua takes over and, and things go on. You get to 1 Samuel and this is what it says. This is one of the scariest scriptures in the entire Bible uh, in my mind. 1 Samuel 4 verse 21. It says she named the boy, a woman gives birth to a child. It says she named the boy Ichabod saying the glory has departed from Israel. Because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. Eli's uh, daughter-in-law. Has a child. Names him Ichabod because God's glory had departed. Sad, isn't it? The very presence of God had been taken away from Israel. He was no longer with them. And I really believe that first and foremost in the new year, as you think about 2015, what we need most, what we seek should be seeking most eagerly is the presence of God. And I think we have to be careful because, you know, we, we can fall into this trap of pursuing actions that produce results that give the appearance of God's work. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between God's work and your work. And we kind of get all jacked up to do all kinds of cool things. I want to do this, I'm going to do that. And then we say, look what God did. I've been working like crazy. I'm just going to give God some credit for it. Instead of saying, what is God going to do in my life? Seeking God's presence. Now, understand me correctly. I'm not saying let's sit around on our hands all year and let Derek do all the work. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But I think there is a subtle difference in how we approach our, our lives as Christians. And our work as a church family. And understanding that we need God's presence among us. That is where the power is. And I know for me personally, I have to constantly be reminded of that fact. Because I like to fix things, tinker with things. If you're in a church in Austin, uh, maybe somebody here is from Austin today, you know we're always tinkering and moving, changing things. It probably drives everybody crazy. That's kind of how I am, right? But, but it's not about tinkering and finding the right, the right equation of things. It's about really having God's presence amongst us. It'd be, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. You know, what I'm talking about is things that, you know, things that really are authentically God. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those moments in time you kind of go, oh, there's no way. That happened any other way but God. It's when you, when you walk into the grocery store and you start talking to somebody and you're just kind of talking about, you know, the, the cowboys because it's on the front page of the magazine in front of you and suddenly the conversation kind of goes a different direction and you talk, you share your faith with somebody and they go, wow, you're not going to believe this. I was just praying about this this morning. Those are the kind of God moments I'm talking about. But Matthew 6, verse 9 Jesus prays this. He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. And as as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, I want to focus in on one, one phrase that Jesus uses here. He says, He says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus prayed for God's kingdom to come. That's much more than a wish for heaven. He's not just saying, you know what, I can't wait till heaven comes. And, you know, it's not about just having, being in heaven. It's really about, he's saying, I want God to do in our space and time what he is continually doing in his space, in heaven. 
and will someday do completely. Isn't that what God's kingdom is? You know, sometimes as Christians, we feel a little weird in this world, don't you? And if you don't, maybe you need to think about what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> truth is, we don't, fit, we don't fit entirely. But the truth is, God is trying to do something through us. His kingdom is being ushered in. And our prayer needs to be, God, do here. Do amongst us. Do amongst th- this fellowship. Do amongst our churches. The things that you are already doing in heaven. We want your presence. And honestly, that's how we began our year this year. Honestly, all, all year long, we kept remi- being reminded of this. God, we simply want your presence among us. And every time I kind of got a little ahead of myself and wanted to start you know, planning this and doing that, I said, wait a minute, okay, before I do anything, God, is this what you want? I want your presence with us. We want to be in your will. It made a very big difference, I believe, in how, how we approached uh, everything this year. But God's presence means God at work right here, right now. Look in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24, you know, the glory of the Lord is also seen in us. It's in God's presence. It's It's a universal longing, but it's also seen... In the fellowship amongst us as disciples of Christ. In Colossians 1, 24, he says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Now Paul says, listen, we are striving to, 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 to help you be, to be brought to complete fullness in Christ. Christ in you. It's the hope of glory. And I really believe as anybody walks in here, as they see the fellowship, they see the dynamic, they see our lives, it should inspire anyone that God is truly here. You remember the first time you walked into church? Is that not what you thought? You thought, maybe you thought, there's something going on here. People were hugging each other, and it's a little different. But there's something is here something special. You know, Paul here says, listen, it's, it's the hope of glory. See, God put his spirit in each one of us to provide hope, not just for us individually, but for those around us. It's not just about a self-help program, but God is doing something through you. He wants to make his glory known through you. And so, as you think about that concept, certainly it's important for us to remember that we need one another in that way, to admonish one another and to help one another become more like Christ. You have somebody in your life who's discipling or teaching you and mentoring you? I hope so. Why? So they can tell you what to do? No, because you need to become more like Christ. I mean, who here is exactly like Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Anybody? I know my family didn't raise their hand because I've been with them all week long. 
Look, we all need help, don't we? We all need to grow. Not for anybody's glory but God's. Not for Derek's glory or Bill's. I'll call him Bill. Dad's glory. Anybody, you know. (laughs) What do I call, you know, okay, public setting, Bill's glory. Anybody else? What else is it? It's for God's glory. We get so tweaked sometimes when someone tries to point something out in our character. Help us grow. We get tweaked because we're prideful. We forget about God. But when you remember what you're striving for and who you're trying to become, like, hey, bring it on. Second Corinthians 4, verse 6. I'll just read it. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I love this passage because, it, because look, we're jars of clay. It's not about our glory. It's about what God does in us. You know, speaking for all of us who don't have a whole lot of talent, I'm encouraged by that passage. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be smart and sharp and have it all together when you know you've got God inside of you. Now, this was kind of the backstory part of the whole sermon, right? This is the part where I started preaching in our group about all the things I wanted them to change in the new year. So I'm not going to say all that stuff to you. However, I want to share a couple of things I know that helped us. And you can either say amen because you guys are already doing all these things, or you can say amen, those poor fools down in Austin are a bunch of pagans. <laughs> but these are the things that we were talking about. One was glory in corporate worship. God being glorified in our worship together. I appreciate, I mean, all the songs, I don't know who put together the songs today, but, you know, Stan did a great job. I mean, all these, they were all glorifying God, weren't they? And, and, you know, I appreciate those that lead us in worship. They work hard. I mean, I don't know how much you guys, I could tell you had to work together because you can't sing like that without getting together and spending time and practicing and those kinds of things. And they do all that to to honor and glorify God. I think us as a fellowship, we make sure we're supporting that. And then we come, we're ready to give. And we're ready to sing. And and not having all those side conversations going on. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe it's just us. We have problems with that. We're talkers. We're talkers. We'll fellowship all the way till the third song. It's like any ha- church hadn't started until communion starts. That's the way some of us think. And so you stroll in from the parking lot. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just Austin, okay? Uh, again, I'm just shooting blanks right here. I don't know what's going on. You guys, if it lands, you're convicted. Awesome. But you know, really, we're, we're glorifying God together. Does it glorify God to stroll in 20 minutes late? It doesn't glorify God to have your ever so important conversation in the, in the aisle while everyone's just trying to praise and glorify God. Would you do that in heaven? I mean, if the throne of God was on this stage, that'd be kind of weird, but if it was, I mean, would you be talking in the aisles? Probably all be singing on our faces. You see, worship... Actually, the word, the Hebrew word means to fall or prostrate yourself before someone on the ground, touching your forehead to the earth. Yes. That's worship. It's, it's the magnification of God and the minimization of ourselves. It's the actual art, uh, act, I'm, I'm sorry, of ascribing worth directly to God. 
And I really believe that, you know, as we worship God, guys, we've got to give our hearts in worship. It's, a, it's one thing. It's something we do together collectively, but it's importance. It brings God glory. Singing to the Lord. I know as a leadership in Austin, we've, we've made a pointed effort to focus our worship to God. Being more up and down, vertical. You know, sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but we sing, we sing all these songs, kind of happy clappy, hey, what's up, brother, high five, we're walking to Jesus, we're doing, you know. But we want, instead of singing about us, we want to sing about God. We want to intentionally focus on the Lord in all that we do, much as you guys did this morning. is awesome. I'm sure you put on your best performance today, right? Oh, yeah. But I'm sure it's like that every Sunday. We see God's glory in evangelism as we share our faith. Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 13 says, When they saw the, the courage of, of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished by their boldness, by the willingness to, to talk about their faith. When it comes to evangelizing or evangelism, the overriding question is not how can we be more effective in working for God, but how can we remove the barriers that prevent God from doing what we know He desires? The thing is, God is working all the time. Sometimes we're the ones who have to get out of the way. And maybe that means just opening your mouth. I believe people are so wide. I've become so convicted this year. People are so wide open. We just got to open our mouths. God can and wants to do so much more than we think. You know, as good as a, as a year I feel like we had in Austin in, gro- in terms of growth, it's still kind of embarrassing when I think about who God is. Because I'm pretty sure God wanted to do a whole lot more. You guys have had an awesome year in terms of people becoming... Who all is... Ba- anybody who all is... Raise your hands, baptized in 2014 in, in, in this region. That's awesome, man. Fantastic. In spite of that, you know what? God wants to do so much more. There's a whole lot of us sitting here. I think what happens sometimes is, is that we end up kind of peddling the gospel. We don't have to do that. We don't have to peddle it through being clever, finding some creative way to share by being sharp or relational or advertising all the cool people we have in our church or how great our worship time is. But really what God wants us to do is open our mouths. You know, and Jesus was always looking for red apples. You see, what are you talking about, Dave? Well, there's green apples and there's red apples. You know what I'm, talk- I'm not talking about Granny Smith. What are those green ones called? Granny Smith. Those are always green. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about regular apples. Apples are typically green before they're ripe, right? You ever eat a green apple? Doesn't taste very good. So you always want the red apple. I think so oftentimes we go through life trying to turn those green apples red. I got this guy at work, this woman in, in, in my family, this person, and I want them so bad to become a disciple. And we spend all this time and effort just focused on that green apple, just waiting for it to turn red. When I think, honestly, we should be looking for the red apples. Let that one sit. It'll turn red eventually. You're not going to make it red. See, God's working in their lives. You know, I think story after story, you ask any one of those people to raise their hand, there's a story that goes behind them becoming Christians this year. I know there is. I know that in Austin, everybody became a disciple this year, there's a story behind it. One of my favorites was this guy, I was at, uh, at a leadership conference, I think it was like three years ago in Miami, and I'm, at, I'm having dinner with this random assortment of people I don't know. One guy I knew, and he brought all his buddies, and so I'm having dinner with these guys that I don't really know, and I start talking to this brother from California. He's like, oh, you're in Austin? 
I know this guy in Austin that used to be part of the church a long time ago. And uh, I'm going to give you his number, man. I want you to call him and see if he'll come out. I'm sure he, he, needs, he needs Jesus again, man. And so I, I call him up. I get home and call him up. We start having coffee. And he, you know, he comes to church one time, brings his wife. And he's all kind of nervous about bringing her because he didn't think she's going to like it. And they're going to some other church in town kind of off and on, serving in kids' kingdom and stuff. And, and, and so, but... After about a month of meeting together, he finally sort of says, you know what, I've taken this job out in the, out in the hill country. I'm going to be gone for a while. And I'm telling him, don't do it, man. It's going to be bad for you. Don't, don't do it. It's bad for your marriage. He said, I'm going to do it anyway. So anyways, we lost touch. Three years go by. He just about gets divorced, but he moves home in time to save his marriage. They have two kids, and we've lost touch completely. So another couple moves into Austin, and they're looking for a, to buy a home. And so they're about to, they have a contract ready to go. And they go to sign the contract, and for some reason, they change. They, he doesn't like the cabinets in the kitchen. <laughs> Whatever. So he says, you know what? Forget it. Y'all aren't going to change the cabinets. We're walking. And so they leave. So we're going to go to this other company down the street. So they go to the other company, walk in. Guess who is the sales agent in that place? Chris, this guy I'm talking about. So they walk in, and they start talking about the house and everything. And so before they decide to sign the papers, they say, you know what, let's go pray about it. He says, oh, by all means, go pray. They come back, and he's just kind of curious. And so they pull out an invitation card and say, hey, we want to invite you to church. And he looks at the card, and he just starts shaking his head. He goes, who's the minister of your church? <laughs> I said, Dave Hooper. He's like, I knew it. High five. <laughs> we'll be there on Sunday. <laughs> he brought his wife again. Man, they started studying the Bible. They are so fired up, so grateful. He got restored a couple weeks ago. She was baptized into Christ. And, uh, you know, it's, he's a red apple. He was not red three years ago. His wife was not red. She came in church, kind of looked around. These people are crazy, didn't want anything. You know, now, I mean, she's like the brightest light in the fellowship. And I think that so often we just try to will the green apples, but it's not going to, we've got to wait for God to do his work. But as disciples, we were called to go and find the red apples. You know, I've used that as illustration several times in different cities. And every time I do, somebody in the audience comes up to me after church and says, you know what? I'm a red apple. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not even a Christian yet. And you go, you know what? I think it's my time. I'm, I'm, God's been working on me. God's been working on the backstory of my life. It's time for me to turn myself in. Let me tell you something. There are people all over this city that are looking for God. They're red apples. We've got to go find them. Amen? I'm going to wrap it up. For 2015, my prayer for you and for us is simply this, that God will be seen and praised through us. My prayer is that God will be seen and praised through the East region of the Dallas Church. That God will be seen and praised through the lives of the brothers and sisters of the Austin Church. And of all our churches around Texas and around the world, that God would use us. But let's pray about that as we begin the new year. Let's consider, let's consider the importance of the presence of God. Let's make sure that we are inviting that presence into our lives. And that we are seeking it actively. And really looking for what God is doing, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us. Amen. Wow. I tell you, I, I love him as a brother-in-law, love him as family, but I respect you as an evangelist.
and uh, just really appreciate what you shared with us this morning. And I think we all can agree, guys, you know, we've seen some amazing God stories in 2014. And I'll be honest, a lot of what he shared has made us as the leadership, not just the staff, but the city group leaders and Bible talk leaders, well, well now what? As we go into 2015, we realize we don't need to put any numbers. God did some numbers we've never seen before. And we're just going to pillage exactly that theme for 2015 in Dallas East region is, Everything is simply going to be to God's glory. And that's our theme for 2015. And just whatever we're doing, we're going to do it to God's glory. And so thank you so much, Dave, for already showing us that in Austin, but helping us to remember what it's all really about. And so with that, guys, we're dismissed to God's glory. Amen.